Side Hustle Show 194, a six-figure Amazon FBA business in seven months. Let's go sell some jewelry. Welcome to the Side Hustle Show, where aspiring part-time entrepreneurs learn how to turn their side hustle dreams into reality. Because your nine to five may make you a living, but your five to nine makes you alive. And now your host, Nick Loper. What's up, what's up? Nick Loper here. Welcome to the Side Hustle Show, where it's all about ideas, action, and results. A little bit of all three for you today as we're about to dive into an e-commerce business, an Amazon FBA business that just 12 months ago was kind of in its infant stages. And of course, this conversation continues our buy buttons theme for the month, tapping into the power of pre-existing audiences of buyers. I like the idea so much, I wrote a whole book on the topic featuring hundreds of marketplaces to help you earn extra money and start a business. You can learn more and claim your copy at buybuttonsbook.com. So this week, I'm excited to introduce Tony Anderson, who is one of the most prolific hustlers I've had the pleasure of meeting. And of course, I mean that in only the best way possible. She runs a six-figure blog called thehappyhousewife.com. She helps run a conference. She consulted on the side. And on top of that, she homeschools seven kids. Because all that wasn't enough, she decided to start an e-commerce business, theoilcollection.com. And no surprise, she's rocking it as well, primarily through Amazon FBA, but increasingly through her own channels, the biz did 190 grand in sales in the first seven months. Stick around to hear Tony's advice on product selection, dealing with manufacturers, and marketing and selling the goods. Notes, links, and a free PDF highlight reel from this conversation are at sidehustlenation.com slash Tony, T-O-N-I. My top takeaways from the chat with Tony after the interview. Ready? Let's do it. I think the best advice I ever heard was to find a hot trend and piggyback on that hot trend. So, for example, the 3D pins that were really big last Christmas, I know my daughter wanted one. They sold out. I ended up paying like a ridiculous amount of money on like Amazon arbitrage to get one for her. So a great idea for that would be to sell the ink because the ink is less risk, less cost. So that would be my best advice for anyone starting out is find something that's really hot or popular. And instead of just going for that item, sell an accessory or an add-on to the really popular item. Okay, I'm out of the loop. What's a 3D pin? (laughs) So it's basically a pin. Do you remember like the hot glue guns back in the, I don't know when those were popular, the night. I'm sure you're not a big crafter, but it's basically a pin that plugs in and it heats up almost like a waxy substance and you can draw with it. But when you draw, it actually is 3D. So you can build things with the pin. So it's like, think of the 3D printer. This would be a very simplified version of the 3D printer because it's a pin. Oh, interesting. Okay. Okay. So those were super popular last year. There's a couple big brands out there. I mean, I'm not affiliated with it at all. But while I wouldn't want to do the pin, the pin's about $100 retail on Amazon. Oh, wow. The ink is like coiled up plastic, basically. And, you know, it's cheap to import. It's not going to break. You don't have a lot of shipping issues. So that would be an idea of like, hey, the pins are really hot. How about I jump on the ink train? It's not really ink, the plastic train for the pins. So that would be my best advice if you're getting started. Just don't try to hop on the silicon baking tray train because that's what everyone wants to do is sell silicon right now right the barbecue gloves or yes. <laughs> yeah but find something that's really popular and then sort of hijack the idea with accessories for the idea okay my wife was looking at one the other day it's like these swell water bottles like a 50 dollars water bottle but she's like i don't like the lid like i want a lid with like a straw so like would that be an yeah. example of an accessory so like an adaptable lid right 
to the okay. water bottle. Yeah, sure. Anything like that. It's really hard to be successful when you copy exactly what someone else is doing because you're going to get into like a pricing war to the bottom. And so I think, you know, find something a little bit different that people haven't thought of, maybe a little harder to copy. Yeah. Okay. Any places that you're looking for these trends other than just like current events or is it by the time I hear about it, I feel like the yeah. ship has sailed. <laughs> yeah, it's because you have a baby. You don't have teenagers. <laughs> just seeing what's popular on Amazon in general, going to like bestseller pages, seeing what people are talking about in social media. You know, something that's really huge right now are the Yeti coolers and Yeti cups and they're expensive. It's like $35 for a insulated glass Yeah, or not glass, stainless steel container. I just... One of my friends gave me a gift and it was a Yeti, but it was engraved. So if you could take a product and then do an engraving, offer like the engraving and that be your add-on and charge a ton of money for something. I mean, people will pay a lot to have something personalized. So for me, that seems to be a big market and not, there's people doing it, but it doesn't seem saturated. Okay. Interesting. So how do you come up with the jewelry idea? Was that piggybacking on a similar trend? So essential oils are huge right now. And if you do research on the trends, it's definitely still on the upward trend. It's not even plateaued yet. Do you just look at Google Trends like to see the chart climbing? Yeah. And just when I go on my Facebook feed, everybody's talking about that or everybody's talking about the beach body and, you know, that sort of thing. Okay. Something like that. So for me, you know, that's what I saw a lot of my people that I was friends with and acquaintances with were talking about. And so I have a local friend who came over one day and she said to me, have you heard of this guy named Pat Flynn? And I said, yeah, I, I have actually. <laughs> she said, I was listening to this podcast and he was talking about selling. And what if we sold this jewelry that goes with the oils? And I'm like, genius, because the oils are so popular. And this allows us to kind of add on to that trend of oil. So we're not selling oils. We're not doing it like that. We're selling the jewelry that you can use with your oils. How does it, sorry, <laughs> again, showing my ignorance. Like, how does that work? <laughs> So for example, we have a leather bracelet and it just looks like your typical leather braided bracelet, but people who use oils will put a dab or two of whatever oil they like inside the bracelet. And then it's because people believe that the oils have healing or wellness properties to them. And so maybe if you put a dab of like peppermint oil on the inside of the bracelet, the bracelet's now rubbing against your skin, you're going to get the benefits of the peppermint oil. Okay. Now I can't talk a whole lot authoritatively about oils, but so don't, don't ask me many more questions about that. But yeah, it's definitely something that people use and really believe in as far as an addition to traditional medicine. Okay, fair enough. And the bracelet is that accessory too. Okay. Yeah. What was your next step? You said, okay, I think there might be something to this. Then what happened? So I happen to know Steve Chu, who does a lot with e-commerce. And so just said, hey, what do you think? Should I give it a try? And he said, yeah, absolutely. I think it's a great idea. So Started on Alibaba looking for vendors and got very overwhelmed uh, because it's a huge site and there's language barriers. And even though the most people you deal with on Alibaba do speak English, there's lots of that gets lost in the translation. So detail wise, right? I found really quickly that you have to be very, very specific about what you want or you will get something totally different. And so we ended up I think doing our very first purchase from like a middleman. So it was someone out of California that we found on Etsy. So they were oh, okay. basically selling like a bulk stuff, but they, I mean, they're importing it from the same people we import now. Right. But at the time for us, that felt like just, oh, that's just a little too much. Like we're trying to jump in this whole thing. We don't know anything about e-commerce and this seems like an easier way to get started. And we paid more, but we didn't have a huge order, right? Our first order was 200 units. So 
even though it was an increased cost, we weren't ordering 10,000 where if we were paying 20 cents more an item, that would add up pretty quickly. Okay. So Alibaba was, and I found this the same way. It's just like kind of the wild, wild west. Yeah. The images are all over the map. The language is all over the map. And it's just trying to find a needle in a haystack to find a vendor who's any good. And so you said, look, we'll get there eventually, but we want to validate this thing. And here's somebody local. Here's somebody in the States that can help us do that. Right. And even though Alibaba, I mean, their platform itself will help you as a buyer and a seller. They have, I guess, not regulations. That's not the right word, but they have things in place to protect you from getting ripped off. However, it just, to me, Etsy was an easy, we were both familiar with it. We'd order on Etsy before. So to us, it was like, hey, we'll do this. If it's a total wash, it's a total wash, but it's not a huge investment. Okay. So was it just, you found somebody who had a similar looking product that you were looking for and said, hey, we'd like to make a bulk order? Yeah. Yep. Okay. And honestly, there are bulk sellers on Etsy of a lot of the, pro- and they're directly ordering it from someone off Alibaba or one of the other sites. They're just acting as a middleman and they have a markup and the markup's not significant. So I would say if you get on Alibaba and you're like us and you're, and especially if you don't know exactly what you want, and then you get sort of in that huge rabbit hole, Etsy is a good alternative for finding in certain niches. Not every niche you can go on Etsy to find, but... I thought everything on there had to be handmade. Oh, it's not. Let me tell you. But I'm not going to get into that because I don't want Etsy people to hate on me. It's like somebody's hands made it. (laughs) And, you know, a lot of times they order their pieces, they import their pieces, and then they'll put it together. So it is handmade in that sense. And a lot of stuff is absolutely handmade from their own backyard or whatever. But there is importing and then they're putting it together for the handmade for sure. Okay, fair enough. Did you know that roughly half of Side Hustle Nation hasn't started their side hustle yet? If that's you, I get it. Starting and building a business is tough. It takes more than just an idea. There are tons of moving parts, and it's a bit like trying to assemble your airplane in the middle of takeoff. Thankfully, our sponsor, Taylor Brands, is helping Side Hustle Show listeners make that leap and make it all a lot easier. Their comprehensive platform guides you through every step, making sure you have everything you need all in one place. Think of it like your behind-the-scenes partner for things like LLC formation, licenses and permits, getting an EIN, setting up your business bank account, bookkeeping and invoicing, insurance, logos, trademark protection, and a lot more. Taylor Brands helps you handle it all seamlessly. And to get you started, Side Hustle Show listeners get 35% off Taylor Brands LLC formation plans when you use our link. That's taylorbrands.com slash side hustle. Taylor Brands, like a tailor for your clothes, T-A-I-L-O-R-B-R-A-N-D-S.com slash side hustle. Start your business journey today with the help of Taylor Brands. When you're hiring, it feels amazing to finally close out a job search and hit the ground running with your new hire. But what if you could get rid of the search part and just get matched with qualified candidates? Well, now you can with our sponsor, Indeed. It's simple. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. The matching and hiring platform is trusted by over 3.5 million businesses worldwide to connect with great talent faster. And 93% of employers agree that Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites. For my next hire, I'm using Indeed to tap into a talent pool of 350 million unique monthly visitors. And what else is cool is Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use it, the better it gets. 
And how about this? Side Hustle Show listeners get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash Side Hustle Show. Just go to Indeed.com slash Side Hustle Show right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash Side Hustle Show. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Okay, so you get the 200 units from this Etsy seller. What happens next? So our initial idea was to do a product test on a daily deal site. We had applied to sell on Amazon, but because it's the jewelry category, it's a gated category. So there's a few more steps you have to go through. So we ended up applying to sell on a daily deal site and thought, well, hey, if we can sell it on a daily deal site, that sort of validates our product idea. So we did that. And then in the process of applying to sell on the daily deal site, we got approved into Amazon. So we were like, well... (laughs) Let's just launch on Amazon too. Who knows what'll happen? So we ended up launching on Amazon before our daily deal ran, which was great because our daily deal actually flopped. What we didn't realize about a lot of these daily deal sites is that the people that shop them want everything for like $3.99. And that's not really a great way to validate a $20 product. Uh, Okay. What was the site out of curiosity? We were going to do it on jane.com. Okay. But that was a flop. Yeah. I mean, we just didn't get a lot of sales. And had we done that first, we might have thought the product wasn't a great idea because our sales were pretty low. But I think we didn't price ourselves to compete on that kind of site. Okay. I think we priced ourselves at $11.99, but people were selling very similar items for 3 and $4. So gotcha. when you're on a home page and there's 82 items you can buy and we're the highest price, you're probably not going to move a ton of inventory. So At that same time, we listed on Amazon. What was the process like for getting ungated? That's kind of a hurdle into some of these different categories. Yeah, so it depends on the category. I know in health and beauty, a lot of it can depend on getting certifications from the factory to show that you've met certain requirements. For jewelry, it's really about photo quality. And the one thing I've learned from Amazon, I know people are really reluctant to get on the phone for some reason with people, but... Every time we've had a problem with Amazon, when we've gotten on the phone with them, we've had it resolved pretty quickly. And so for us, we submitted our photos. I don't think we got approved the first time. We got on the phone and this Amazon rep walked us exactly through what we had to do to be approved. And we did everything they said. And it was really about if you shop on Amazon, which probably everybody who listens does, you'll notice in some categories, the pictures are all are pretty uniform in that like for jewelry, it has to be the jewelry by itself with an absolute white background. But they're so picky on the white background that you actually have to go in with like a pixel, you know, thing. And even if you have like links in your jewelry, like you have to get the white between the links white. Oh wow! So it's really particular and it can easily be done in Photoshop or whatever. But we weren't getting it all. We had some shadowing, which even if you have a great photographer, you're going to get that. So for jewelry, it's really about the images and making sure that you're conforming to the standards. And obviously, if you're selling like precious metals and stones, you have to have authenticity and things like that. Okay. So you can't sell CZ and say this is a right. diamond. Okay. Well, you could for probably two hours. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Not a good long-term business. Not a business strategy to propel you into retirement. Okay. So you get ungated create the listing on Amazon. So how many units did you end up selling through the Jane deal? Oh, like something pitiful, like 17. I mean, just like not very many. Okay, so not very many. Yeah. And then, so the rest, were you doing vendor fulfilled or Amazon fulfilled? 
Amazon fulfilled. Okay. So ship the rest off to Amazon. Yep. And did you do any deal to get like initial reviews, product giveaways or something like that? Yes. So I had all these grand ideas of what we could do. And I thought I have this huge Facebook page for Happy Housewife. And my readers are exactly the demographic that I'm going to market to for the jewelry. So I just had these, you know, I'm going to do Facebook stuff with Happy Housewife and I'm going to cross promote. I'm going to put it on the blog and, you know, it's going to be amazing. And we launched on Amazon and I put up a personal Facebook post just because I was excited, you know, because it's like my first thing. And so I put it up and within the first two or three days, we had like 30 sales. And the only thing I did was put up a Facebook post. So, I mean, I got a lot of purchases from friends and family that I think wanted to just support what we were doing. You're pretty confident they came from your Facebook link rather than from like Amazon organic? I know that probably 10 of those first 30 sales came from my friends because they all messaged me and told okay, me, okay. you know, <laughs> oh, I bought your necklace. But then what happened was is that because, and of course today it's a much different landscape, but when we launched, there were two other sellers that were selling similar products, not the same, but a similar type of thing. So we just didn't have any competition. And so within three or four weeks, we were on the first page of Amazon for pretty much any search term that we wanted which then of course increased our sales. And I ended up probably giving away five to seven for reviews. And when I started, I didn't know that you could have like the automated email sequence go out through Feedback Genius or Sales Backer. And I like didn't know how to do anything. We just launched. And of course, as soon as I found out that you could email people and ask them to leave you a review, I frantically tried to get that set up. So our reviews came and it was nice because we did have, my friends did leave reviews, but they had paid for the product. So it was a legitimate review. Yeah. And so that from then the sales just really picked up and we didn't have to do a ton of advertising because we didn't have a lot of competition in the beginning. Okay. Interesting. So you were ranking for like essential oil necklace or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That sounds very niche, but maybe it's a big market. <laughs> it's a very big market. <laughs> okay. So these, I imagine the first 200 sell pretty quickly. Right. And do you go back to the same Etsy seller or do you now try and find a manufacturer on Alibaba? As soon as we realized that they would sell within that first week, we decided we had to get serious. And even though this is really scary to us, we have to start talking to these people. And so within like 30 days, we had samples on their way from a couple different suppliers overseas. And then from that, I think we placed two orders from two different suppliers. Okay. For our first probably eight months, we were behind on the supply chain the whole time. And this is like around a little over a year ago. Yes. Yeah, so we launched last June. So it was June 2015. Okay. Yep. What was your initial investment from this Etsy order and then from these Chinese manufacturers? So our, this is going to sound horrible. Our initial investment was like $300. Why does that sound horrible? That sounds like a great... Yeah, it's great. But like, don't everybody go do this exact same thing because it's totally different today. I wouldn't jump into this. It's much more crowded. It's much harder to make money in this group now. But we decided, my partner and I, that we would each put in $1,500 and basically use that to fund us. Like, so we could put in a really big order and not be really behind in products because we thought, okay, well, if we do $300 and then we make the profit on Amazon, then we wait for Amazon to pay us. And then we take that and we put in, you know, that's putting us pretty far. And we're thinking like, hey, we want to be ready for Christmas. So we want to have money. So we both put in $1,500, but we were profitable in like six weeks. Okay. Just because things were moving that quickly. Yeah. Okay. It's not an insignificant startup cost, but it's not that expensive either. 
No, and I think too, like we could have easily done three hundred bucks, and you had validated it on the three hundred dollar order, right? And we could have just let it roll at you know put the three hundred, waited for the money, gone back, invested the thousand dollars or whatever the profit was on that first thing, and then gone back and we could have continued that cycle, but we wanted to speed it up, so that's why we put the money in. It was really about wanting to push the process along a little bit faster. But I really think if your product is a low cost, I mean, our price point's low. We're talking 12 to $20, right, is what we sell for retail. So if you have a product that doesn't cost you a ton, you can very easily do this for under 500 bucks if you're willing to go slow. Okay. Yeah. So your cost per unit is pretty affordable. Yeah. Okay. Any hiccups along the way with manufacturers or shipping or any of the other kind of logistical headaches? Yeah, we had a lot of hiccups with <laughs> we had a lot of hiccups with just the communication. And you know, it's funny because now this stuff just seems to make so much sense to me. But back then it was just an absolute shock. But just being super specific, like we had these leather bracelets that we were selling. We ordered, I think, a thousand from the manufacturer. They sold really well. So we put in another order for a thousand from the same manufacturer and he sent us totally different bracelets. They weren't the same material. And you're like, wait, we just ordered these from you two months ago. And of course, I'm, you know, calling Steve crying, like, what's going on? I have a thousand bracelets that I cannot sell. And he said, you have to be very specific, you know, measurements, type of material, like what is on the inside, what's on the outside, you know, anything that would be a variation, you have to tell them every time you make an order. To me, it was like, well, I ordered it before I'm ordering it again. Yeah, just hit the reorder button. (laughs) Yeah. It's like Amazon. I purchased this six months ago. I'm going to purchase it again. And that's not how it works. So we had that issue. What did you end up doing with those thousand that you couldn't sell? Like, did they work with you to replace them or did you? They did. They took responsibility for them saying that that was their error. Okay. So they sent us another thousand at no cost. Like we paid for the first thousand. They sent us a second thousand at no cost. But I mean, the thousand are still sitting in my bedroom in a box. Okay. Because we can probably liquidate them on eBay or something like that, but it's just a pain. It's a thousand items. Yeah, to try and do a thousand separate eBay orders. Right. That's not really what I want to do. We had another vendor where she sent us some photos of the finished product and we didn't think the finish on the jewelry was right. So we said, because we're trying to get the same product from different vendors, so it's got to match. And so we said, it needs to be a little darker in the finish. Well, what shipped to us was what went from like a bronzish color to an almost black a little bit darker a little bit darker a little bit darker and that vendor wouldn't work with us at all and we actually filed like a paypal dispute and things like that and paypal sided with the vendor and so we actually did we were able to liquidate those on amazon as a new skew oh okay yes because i'm like i don't want a thousand of these i think you know that's the thing if you get a product that's not completely defective if it's just not exactly what you order you can usually liquidate it on ebay on etsy on amazon under another listing but it's just more time and work so they ended up selling just not at the price point you wanted not at the price point and we listed them over christmas and i think anyone that sells on amazon will tell you that at christmas anything will sell they weren't bad they just weren't anything like what we were selling and so we sold them, but we sold them at, you know, I think we ended up making like a dollar an item at the end, which was fine. It was a dollar instead of losing however much yeah. per item. So it worked out, but it was once again, not exactly what we wanted to be doing at Christmas time. when we really wanted to sell our, the items we want to build on, not dispose of inventory. Okay. So it sounds like this is a common thing. Like once you find something that hits, it's this constant struggle of reinvestment, of restocking, reordering, and then doing the quality control. 
Yeah, and staying ahead, there was a discussion a couple weeks ago with Scott Volker and Greg Mercer and a couple other big Amazon sellers, and they were saying that they like to be three months ahead on inventory at all times, at least three months. So to have a three-month supply sitting in the warehouse or on... Either at Amazon or in your warehouse or basement or garage or whatever okay. your inventory storage is. And then, you know, they said in at times, like when you're heading up to the holidays, you want to three, four X that, right? Because the sales will just increase. I mean, everyone's sales increases in the holidays, no matter what you're selling. Okay. In a certain way, that's scary to have a lot of capital tied up in inventory. Right. Then it's like, well, what happens? Like you said, hey, it's way more competitive now. Like what happens if somebody else comes in and the sales volume doesn't continue as it has. And now that three month supply turns into a six month supply or, you know, now I'm sitting on all this cash that's tied up. Exactly. And that's for us why when we got started, we basically agreed to reinvest anything we made back into the company for the first six months. And that way, the worst case scenario would be that we don't profit, but we weren't actually going to lose any of our own money, our own savings or wherever we're pulling that money from. So we didn't really take a paycheck until the very end of the year last year. Okay. Okay. So you're taking kind of, we'll play with the house's money for a while. Yeah. After our initial 1500 bucks a piece. Okay. Yep. Have you gone off Amazon to any other platform? Like, have you set up an Etsy store or set up your own storefront? So we have our own storefront and we did that probably within the first month or two for a couple reasons. One, one of the big, and actually this is big news. It just, I think Amazon just announced this a couple days ago is for brand registry. So, you know, how if Nike makes a tennis shoe, and Nike, you can go to Nike.com and buy a tennis shoe, but you can also go to Foot Locker and you can go to DSW or you can go on Amazon and buy a Nike tennis shoe from Bill's Sporting Goods or whatever. But Nike's allowing that. Like those people are authorized Nike retailers. Yes. Well, on Amazon, you know, anybody can sell under your listing, right? So one of the issues we ran into is that Chinese manufacturers would list under our listing for significantly less. So they would be selling a product that we sold for 16 bucks and they would list it for 6.99. And it's our pictures, it's our description. The only thing different is when it says fulfilled by underneath those bullet points, it would say, you know, XYZ Enterprises. Okay. And was it like the same manufacturer you ordered your thing from? You don't always know. I actually don't think it was personally I think the one that did it to us was the one that sent us those cruddy necklaces that we fired. <laughs> Okay. That's my conspiracy theory. It's totally legit to do this on Amazon. And it really can hurt you, especially if you have a lot of inventory, because now there's a price point where you can't sell at anymore because yeah. Amazon fees and all that stuff. So it can hurt sellers that have a lot of inventory and it's called piggybacking. And basically Amazon announced the other day that they're not going to let people sell under other listings unless they're authorized. So if you have what's called a brand registry, which means you have a valid website, you have an email that would be bob at nike.com. So someone else can't go list under, they can't sell Nike tennis shoes on a listing unless Nike has authorized them to do that. So Amazon just announced this the other day and basically they're rolling it out. So that practice is going to be a huge benefit to sellers. Okay. So they're putting the kibosh on piggybacking. Yes. But you have to be brand registered. So that was one of the reasons why we started the website is because we wanted to apply for the brand registry and you have to have a website to apply for brand registry. Oh, okay. The other reason why we did it is that we read a lot of different Amazon, you know, guru type people. And they were saying, so when you ship from Amazon, when Amazon ships your stuff, you can include a warranty card or an instructional card in your product. And while you can't ever like encourage people to buy off Amazon, you can 
it's a little loosey goosey as far as people registering a product. So like if you buy a car seat for a baby, you can go to Britax and register that car seat. Even if you bought the car seat on Amazon. Okay. Well, as soon as you register that car seat on Britax, you're on Britax mailing list for the rest of your life and they're going to market to you. Right. Amazon doesn't really want you to do that, but people do it all the time. So we thought, hey, we'll have a warranty for our product. One, it'll build trust with buyers. And then two, it'll get people to our website where they can hopefully get on our mailing list. Yeah. Which one, we haven't done as much with that as we should. But two, one of the things that I heard from Michael Daphnis the other day, which I thought was really good, is that he said, it's really hard to take an Amazon shopper off Amazon. So someone who buys on Amazon is probably not going to then start buying on your website. Because they like the Amazon, they like Amazon Prime, they like the two-day shipping, they like yeah. the review system, and you know everything that comes along with Amazon, it's hard to convert a customer. So I've seen that from our own attempts at doing, and we're not necessarily trying to grab customers. Actually, the warranty has been a real differentiator for us in the industry for people that are selling similar stuff. So for us, the warranty actually is a selling feature more than a try to grab people's emails. But I think he's right. I think it's hard to convert someone to go to your website and make a purchase after purchase on Amazon. If you travel a lot for work or for vacation, you might be familiar with that feeling you get knowing you're leaving your space unused for long periods of time and you're still paying for that privilege. But hosting on Airbnb means you don't have to leave your home sitting empty when you're away. Being an Airbnb host isn't just a way to earn some extra cash. It's a chance to share your space and make a guest's vacation all the more memorable. You might be thinking, eh, maybe my place isn't the right fit, but don't write it off just yet. Your potential Airbnb might be right in front of you. Whether it's a spare room or even your entire home, there's an opportunity waiting. Airbnb turns your home into a practical and even profitable venture. We just got back from a family trip to Hawaii where we stayed in a great Airbnb, but our place back home could have been a highlight to somebody else's travels, and we could have used the extra cash to help pay for the trip. So if you're curious about hosting on Airbnb, find out how much your space could be worth by visiting airbnb.com slash host. Once again, that's airbnb.com slash host. Are you seeing a lot of sales come through the site organically or through your own marketing efforts? So we haven't done a ton with the site. The majority of our sales on the site come from Pinterest. Okay. Can you share what the URL is? You don't have to if you don't want to. Oh, yeah. Theoilcollection.com is the website. We'll check it out and mess up your conversion rates. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> so sales are coming through Pinterest. Like, is this promoted pins or is it just kind of like organic Pinterest traffic? So I've done a little bit. I have a lot of experience with the promoted pins from my consulting days and I haven't spent a ton of money on it, mainly because I don't have email funnels set up on the site, how I would like to sort of pull customers in and move them through. That's on my list to get done before Q4. But yeah, it's mostly organic and it's organic with a pinning strategy. So it's not just, oh, randomly people are finding us on Pinterest. We have a Pinterest account. We're pinning our products. There's a strategy in that. Okay. It's not just, oh, this is so easy kind of thing. And the other thing, and this is pretty true for anybody that has a brand on Pinterest, you see your organic traffic go up pretty significantly too, because even if people don't click over from Pinterest, you start to get that branding and that name recognition. And then people will just type in, we have, we have a lot of direct traffic where people are typing in our URL, which is pretty unique considering we don't have a big brand. People aren't just typing in, you know, bloomingdales.com or something like that. We're not a household name. Okay. You don't have any like product listing ads or is the price point too low for that? We do Amazon CPC, but that's it. 
Okay. Which drives traffic to the Amazon. Amazon. Yeah. So we don't do anything. I mean, that's on the list. I think the price point's low, but I think our margins are okay. So it's, it's worth it to get a customer if we can continue to market to that customer. So even if we break even on that first purchase, that's okay. Okay. Does Amazon fulfill the orders that come through your site or do you have to yes. fulfill those? Amazon fulfills them. Okay. So you're still paying them, still paying them their logistics fee. Yeah. Still paying them. I fulfilled for the first probably eight months and I'm just, that's not what I'm good at. <laughs> I have no interest in like going to the post office every yeah. day. I don't want to print labels. I don't want to, you know, no, it's just easier and it's pretty inexpensive. Our products are small. So if you're selling lawnmowers, it could be a very different story for us. It makes sense because the percentage that Amazon takes is pretty insignificant compared to the level of stress that it causes me to have to ship items. Absolutely. They've already built out this whole entire, you know, <laughs> yes. logistics infrastructure. Let's just let them do what they're good at. They're very good at shipping. I will let them stay good at that. Tell me about, so you mentioned like, hey, there's more competition today. Is this just a constant struggle of trying to find that next trend to find something to piggyback on? Or is it okay, we got in at the right time and we're established in this market? Or just curious, like how long can these sales be counted on? Or just kind of curious about like the long-term viability of a product before it becomes like too saturated. Right. I think the big thing is differentiating yourself in the marketplace. I mean, you're always going to deal with competition unless you sell something where the price point is so high where people can't afford to get started in it. If you have an affordable product, you're going to deal with competitors. Yeah. For us, one of the things that we did was we started with a real basic design that you can buy off Alibaba or Etsy or any, you know, you, there, there's a lot of them. And we tried, well, maybe we'll add charms or maybe we'll do something different. But that's really labor intensive because we were doing it ourselves. Like we were adding charms and my kids were adding charms and, you know, which was great when we got started. But thinking long term, I'm like, I don't want to be making jewelry for the rest of my life. Yeah. So the next thing we did was, well, what if we come up with our own like custom design? Like what if we, instead of using a design that's already out there, what if we create our own designs? So that was our next sort of differentiator in the marketplace is that our designs are nowhere else. And not only are the actual designs of the jewelry nowhere else, but the actual, the way the jewelry is put together is pretty different. Like there's not many people that are doing it the same way. And so for us, that was a way to sort of set ourselves apart from the competition, but it costs more money because when you create your own design, you have to have your manufacturer create a mold, which costs money and then make samples in the mold. And then you have to decide if you want to work with that manufacturer. So it's one of those things where we started, we built some capital up selling a pretty generic item and then using that capital are now into creating our own very unique type designs, which I think is one way to do it. Okay. What's your day-to-day -day time investment look like now, now you're 14, 15 months in? For the Amazon side, the day-to-day -day is 10 minutes. Very, very minimal. Basically going on there, dealing with any customer service issues, checking the ads, do some A-B testing a little bit, but you know, not very much time. The time that we're spending now is really on the website and building up the email funnels and making the website a better user experience. Because I think long-term... I would love to have 50% of our sales coming from the website. One, because we make more money because we're not paying all those Amazon fees. And then two, because then we own those customers. Sure. What percentage are you at today? Oh, oh yeah. 90% Amazon. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. there's a ways to go, but that's there's okay. A, we, have, we have some work to do, but it's definitely something that I think we can do. And we're on a Shopify site, so it makes it pretty easy to do a lot. You know, it's not a tough even if you're not tech savvy, Shopify makes it very easy and their tutorials, I think, are phenomenal. So it's just a matter of taking the time. So that part of it, you know, I could easily spend 
20 hours a week working on the site. I don't, which is why we're at 90-10. But my goal is before Q4 to really, I'll probably increase my time to probably 20 hours a week, at least on the site, even just to get the email funnel set up and all the triggers and things like that. Because there's just so much you can do with the email marketing. It's hard to sort of just leave that on the table and not capture the additional revenue. Sure. That's where the years and years of blogging experience comes into play. What email system are you using? We're currently on Aweber. I I signed up for Clavio. Are you familiar with them? No, I never heard of those guys. So they're absolutely amazing in their functionality and what they can do. But they were, and I don't, like I love engineers, but they were built by engineers and their interface is done by engineers. So I signed up for it, started to try to add some stuff to the site. And within about three hours, I'd used up like four letter words for the year. <laughs> it is just very frustrating because you're, you're actually in the shop. Of, I'm like, I'm modifying code in my site and I have some ability to do that, but that's not one where I want to spend my time. And two, it's not what I'm very good at. So I'm like thinking I could break everything in, in one click. So it's not user-friendly from the the seller side. It's user-friendly from the customer side as far as, you know, people that are receiving your emails. Okay. Oh, they've got a testimonial on the homepage from a former Side Hustle Show guest, Fred, from Tortuga Backpacks. What they can do is, I don't think anybody compares to them, but unless you are very, very tech and you love to get in there and do that kind of stuff, you will be extremely frustrated about 30 minutes into the process, in my opinion. You know it must be bad if you're comparing it to Aweber and the Aweber interface is good. Yeah, exactly. I would love to be able to get on Clavio and get it set up. But realistically, that would be probably 20 to 30 hours of me in a closed door room with no interruptions, because it's just very hands on. Gotcha. Well, Tony, this has been fascinating. Any, I'm sure you know, we're just scratching the surface of this, but like anything else, so it sounds like the focus for the next couple months is going to be on driving traffic and you're trying to ramp up the standalone site at theoilcollection.com. Anything else is on the horizon? That's about it for this year. Just really hoping to, to move the site up as far as revenue and traffic. And I know it can be done. It's just a matter of investing the time to do it. Well, sounds good. I'm sure you'll get it done as you have in every other area of your, of your life. This is Tony Anderson from thehappyhousewife.com and theoilcollection.com. Thank you so much for joining me. Let's wrap this thing up with your number one tip for Side Hustle Nation. My number one tip is have amazing customer service. I think if you want to differentiate yourself from your competitors, no matter what kind of business you're in, make your customer service amazing. Respond quickly to emails, fix the problem. The customer is always right, even when they're totally wrong. And if you can do that, you will not only impress your customers, but you will get those customers to come back and buy from you over and over again. Sounds good to me. Thanks so much. Thank you. All right. My top takeaways from this chat with Tony. Number one, piggyback on trends. I've got an article called The Piggyback Principle, which kind of looks at this from the standpoint of uh, freelancing in, in a lot of ways. But I really like the idea of doing this for um, for e-commerce as well. Takeaway number two it's not always going to be sunny and 75. There are going to be obstacles and headaches and screw ups along the way. That's business. That's life. If it was easy, everybody would be doing it. Um, we just have to figure it out one step at a time, just like Matt Damon in The Martian, solve one problem, and then the next, and then, and then the next. <laughs> Takeaway number three, you'll always have more control on your own platform. Use the marketplaces that are out there 
Absolutely. But if you can diversify your income sources, even in the same business, you're going to be better prepared to weather any upcoming storms or changes uh, to the platform you're relying on, like Tony is doing in focusing her energy on her own standalone e-commerce store. Be sure to grab the free PDF highlight reel from this conversation at sidehustlenation.com slash Tony, T-O-N-I. That's it for me. Thank you so much for tuning in. I'm off to sunny San Diego for FinCon this week and look forward to catching up with all the San Diego area hustlers and the super smart financial minds that I get to learn from at this conference. Until next time, let's go out there and make something happen. And I'll catch you in the next edition of the Side Hustle Show, where you'll hear from a self-published six-figure author who's moved more than two million books on the Amazon platform in one of the most competitive categories. I'll see you then. Hustle on. Thanks for listening to the Side Hustle Show at www.sidehustlenation.com. 